Sounds good. Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman, recording back on my home turf, joined by my tag team partner, Matt Story. And Matt, it is a great weekend for the college football fan and all of us. It is. It is. Yeah, some really good games. Uh, three that involve um, top 10 matchups, I believe. Uh, Notre Dame, Miami, TC, Georgia, Auburn. So, yeah, you know, this is what you want. I want to start talking about the Notre Dame-Miami game. That, that game has, you know, ESPN all aflutter with their marketing. It uh, does. And it, t- it does, it, yeah. It ties in with the U, the U Part 2, and the new 30 for 30, uh, focusing on the Notre Dame-Miami game. Right, right. But for purposes of this season, this is a huge game for both teams, because I think the winner of this will be in the top four next week. Yeah, I mean, you know, Notre Dame has been, and I would, I, I certainly think a road win at an undefeated team. You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think they would, you know, be in jeopardy of, of falling out. Um, and Miami, you know, jumped up three spots from where they were last week after beating Vodek. Um, you know, they would presumably, you know, obviously they jump ahead of Notre Dame. They'd probably jump ahead of the number of TCU in Oklahoma. So. At the very worst, they'd probably be five and with a chance to still play Clemson in front of them. So, you know, they're sitting at seven, but they're pretty much in control of their own destiny. If they keep winning, they're going to be there, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to keep an undefeated Miami team out if they knock off number three Notre Dame. I know it's yeah, in and, Miami. And but... then they would have to beat, you know, number four Clemson in the, in the ACC title game, too, in all likelihood. I mean, Clemson hasn't clinched that spot. They, they will if they win this week. Um, but, you know, I mean, yeah, they, they've got the opportunities. Um, you know, they started out when the first ranking came out, number 10, but they had Vatek, they had Notre Dame, and they had the, you know, potential ACC title game in front of them. They beat Vatek convincingly. Um, so now it's certainly late for them that if they keep winning, they'll be there, I think. Yeah. Now, the other game um, that, you know, you mentioned the Auburn Georgia game. I think this is going to be an interesting test for Georgia. You know, they, they control their own destiny as far as the sec East goes. Um, but do you think that they'll be able, well, let me two part question. Do you think they'll win this game? Do you think they need to run the table to get in or can they drop Maybe not. this game? And still Maybe win? not. I mean, this is a game they could, they could lose theoretically and, and still come back and, I mean, they've already won the SEC East. They're the first team in college football to clinch a division title. There's a few others that are pretty close. Miami, Clemson, USC, um, you know, among those. But, um, you know, they're they're going to the SEC title game, which means very likely a chance to play Alabama. Or, let's say they lose to Auburn, they might get a chance to rematch with Auburn if Auburn would beat Alabama as well. Um, you know, so they'd have a chance to avenge that loss or beat undefeated Alabama which would be a pretty big statement. I mean, you know, the, the knee-jerk reaction if they lost this week would be to say, oh, well, they're out. But I don't think that'd be the case, no. Um, you know, I mean, a 12-1 and SEC champion, you know, if we play out that hypothetical, they lose this week, they win the rest of their games, and they win the SEC, it's probably going to be in the playoff, and probably she, really. The uh, the last game that you mentioned, the TCU-Oklahoma game, that's 5-6 and six right now. <laughs> Um, after the craziness of last weekend in the yeah. Iowa blowout of yeah, Ohio yeah, State. Yeah. 
Um, you know, what do you think? What do you think, as somebody who watches the Big Twelve and is an avowed hater of Oklahoma? What do you think uh, yeah, of their yeah. prospects this week and going forward? I mean, it, it's interesting because TCU is almost the opposite team of Oklahoma State. They play really good defense, but they're not very explosive offensively. You know, they're not a team that I don't think they can go touchdown for touchdown with Oklahoma. So it's it's got to be a game that they control the pace and the tempo, play the game in the 20s or 30s, kind of like what Iowa State did to them. They're going to score. Um, but, you know, the key is keeping them from getting rolling like Oklahoma State couldn't do. But it was 38 to 38 at the half. Um, you know, and, and then – you know, taking advantage of a weak defense. It's not a very good defense. And, you know, teams have put up a lot of points on them, including some teams that aren't very good. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's at Oklahoma. You favor them, but they already got beats at home this year. So, uh, you know, it, those are three tough games. I mean, they are not easy to pick. I don't think any of them are ones I sit down and say, well, yeah, it's a top 10 matchup, but I'd be shocked if this team won. I mean, I think they're all games that, could legitimately go either way. And, and, and what's funny is those are not even, you know, we've listed three top ten matchups, but those aren't the sum total of good games. Ohio State, Michigan State, no. Oklahoma State, yeah. Iowa State, out of nowhere could be a great game. Yeah, I, I mean, know. the winner of that could still get into the Big 12 title game. Um, Ohio State, Michigan State is basically for the, you know, the driver's seat at least for the Big 10 East um, you know, so there's there's a lot riding on a couple of those games as well, yeah. And then the last one to me that it, you know is worth noting is Alabama's got to travel to Mississippi State. I know a lot of attention is going to be on that Georgia Auburn game, but yeah, Mississippi State at home is not an easy task. I you know I think they Alabama aren't. will win, they but aren't. but that's not a game to sleep on. No, no. I mean, the interesting thing you know will be if if. Um, you know, what Alabama does is take away the thing you do best and make you do the second thing, you know, well. And what Mississippi State has struggled this year is when they have to throw. You know, Nick Fitzgerald's a good quarterback. Uh, when they take away that running game and they make him throw it a lot, Georgia did, and it didn't go well. Um, you know, he's, he struggled in that spot. So that'll be the interesting thing. Um, you know, can he step and have a big-time game? Obviously, being at home gives him a chance. But ultimately, I don't. I don't know. I mean, seeing what they did against Georgia, seeing what they did against Auburn, two other pretty good defenses, they were badly outclassed. I, I, you know, to me, the SEC this year feels like there's two to three teams that are really good. I'm not sure if Auburn belongs in that category just yet. They might. We'll see in the next couple of weeks. And then a big drop off. You know, Mississippi State's probably at the top of that next level, but there's a big gap between the top level and the second level. I agree with you, although I would have, you know, heard that same point about Iowa and Ohio State. So true, anything's true. possible. That's that's all I'm saying. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, that game was a shocker. That is, that is one of those that we get every year. You know, there's always a, a handful that you just, you know, you don't see coming and you look back and think, how did that happen? And, and you feel like if they played that game again, there's no way it would happen that same way. But, I mean, it, you know, they, it happened that way. I mean, they jumped on them and – yeah. yeah, they did. And, I mean, I, I, you know, for all the talk of Ohio State and, and, you know, how good they were supposed to be this year, one of the things that was supposed to be a given was their defense was supposed to be really good. Um, and it has not been. You know, even in that win over Penn State, they gave up 38 points. 
Um, you know, now that one of them was a special teams touchdown, you know, but they didn't, you know, they had not been the type of team you would have expected that, like, okay, they're going to shut you down defensively. You're going to get maybe a couple of chances to score. Um, that was what they were supposed to be, and they've been far, far from it this year. And that, I mean, Iowa's not a good offense. Iowa's a team that, you know, most of their games, they've, they've scored, you know, somewhere in the area of, you know, 20 points on average. Um, the week before, I think they beat Minnesota 17-10. So you're not exactly talking about a, you know, high-powered air raid offense in Iowa. And they certainly looked like it against Ohio State, I guess. So let's transition now to talk about what I think everyone agrees is the most important game of the weekend, and that's Arizona State-UCLA. This, That's right. This game historically has uh, been much more interesting than it is this year. Uh, you know, since Moore and Graham started at the same time, this has been up there as, as probably I would I would consider UCLA on a year by year most passionate rival uh, yeah. behind Arizona, and I, I just don't feel like we're getting our dander up the way we need to this week. No, no. I mean, they're not very good. You know, <laughs> they're four and five, and and um, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a game that feels like the division titles on the line as it was a couple times. You know, when we won the division in in twenty thirteen, we won it at UCLA. Um, the next year, they came here and and blew us out, and and you know, really that was the loss. I mean, you know, we had a chance at the end, but that loss set us back on a chance to win it again at the end. Um, you know, they won the division the first couple of years, you know. So for several of those years, it felt like that game, you know, played a big role. 2011, you know, we had the division basically locked up if we win there. That was two different coaches, um, you know. But we win that game early November, and it's we cruise to the South title. Alex Garut misses two field goals, and we give up a fourth and 29 or something like that, I believe it was, and we lose that game. Um you know, so this year doesn't feel that way because there isn't that feeling that something big is on the line. And yet, for us, something big is kind of on the line. It's full eligibility. It's a chance yeah. to go. Yeah. And really, the big thing now is coaching job security. If oh, we, yeah. If, yeah. if we win, we beat UCLA, that's got to hurt. You, you've got to think that that's just another chip on the uh, – yeah, base yeah. of support for Jim Mora, which, you know, Todd Graham has been the last coach for other L.A. coaches to get fired. He so. has. He has. Yeah. Yeah. Even sometimes after losing to him, um, <laughs> he was, he was uh, it's a know, skill. on the opposite it's a special skill. Steve Sarkeesian in his, you know, meltdown game. Uh, you know, I guess he did coach one more game after that. But, um, yeah, you know, he's he's uh He's seen it, you know, with USC a couple times. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly, you know, Jim Morris' status, I think, very tenuous. Todd Graham's is still somewhat tenuous. Feels a little less tenuous, but um, it's not a sure thing. With, you know, every win from here makes it a little bit more sure. You know, getting a sixth win guarantees an improvement from last year, which is, you know, a step in the right direction um, and sets you up to have a, you know, a winning record overall gives you a winning record in the conference for four and two. So we win one more. We, we finish above 500 in the conference. So, you know, those are, those are baby steps of progress that we needed to see this year. So here's, here's my question to you. Anyone who listens 
to our podcast probably doesn't need to listen to any other podcast. But you heard Doug Haller uh, mention us on the Pick 6 podcast because we had uh-huh. some questions for him. And I want to talk about not Brady White's injury status, which I do think is interesting. And if you want more details, uh, Haller's podcast goes into it. But yeah. on, on the coaching job security front for ASU, what we raised and what he and Metcalf went into was, will there be continuity? How key is that? Yeah. And the suggestion, there were two things he suggested that I want to talk about. The first is, Billy Napier might leave if an opportunity to go to the SEC arises. And the second thing he mentioned was sort of almost as if a foregone conclusion that Mike Norvell will be an SEC head coach next year. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know I've heard rumor that he's a possible candidate for Florida at least, and there's likely to be more SEC openings. Now, he look, Memphis has been great under him. You know, everyone thought that there would be a huge step down. Coaching change, Paxton Lynch is right. gone. And he's really kept that program rolling right along. Um, he has. He has, yeah. And he coaches exciting offense, which certainly if you're Florida, Tennessee, who doesn't have an opening yet, but almost certainly will, um, is something they want to see. You know, they Florida especially. They, you know, Herb Street made the point on game day. They don't just want you to win. They want you to score 45 points while winning. And, and he, you know, has proven, you know, at the stops he's had, he does coach exciting offense. Yeah, they, they are looking for Steve Spurrier to come back. Yes, or Urban Meyer. I mean, those are the, you know, those are the obvious examples in both of those guys. High-powered offenses, Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks, national championships, put up tons of points. I mean, the, the bar is set real high at Florida. And, and it's, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a tough bar to meet. Now, on the other side, the ASU coaching staff, I think Phil Bennett will be back, assuming Graham is back, which yeah. Yeah. is still not decided, but I think reasonable to expect at this point. We're if, getting closer. Yeah. Yeah. I think two, if you take two out of three uh, the rest of the way in the regular season, he's back. Um, if you, I would agree. If you I sweep the three, for sure he's back. Yes, yes, and I would say, I mean, seven and five is where I projected at the start of the year. Um, there was a little bit of optimism in that, you know, projection, and I thought that would be good enough to keep him, you know, and 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 have him remain the coach. And I still think it probably is. If that happens, is there anything about this coaching staff that you think should change? Assuming you could bring everyone back, do you think that Graham yeah. would want to? I, I think yes. You think there's change? I, I, I think I think. Or you if, think he'd bring everyone back? I think if he could, he would bring everyone back. I don't know if there I will so be too. change, but, yeah, but I don't I think, think so too. I mean, you never know. Obviously, all it takes is one domino, like you said. You know, Billy Napier gets an opportunity in the SEC, and maybe he takes an assistant with him, and you know. But yeah, I mean, there's there's nothing uh, glaring about this team that you'd say you got to make a change at this spot. You know, I mean, nothing about this team has been great. You know, there's there's no unit or, or group where you'd say, wow, that unit has just been amazing. But that's what you get when you're five and four. You know, you don't have amazing, but you don't have awful either. You don't have a situation like last year where you're thinking, we have got to change something on defense. This is unsustainable. That's what we talked about a lot over those last few weeks and early in the offseason last year. Can't do the same thing. There's nothing like that this year. 
do you think looking at this specific game, ASU's defense will be able to do what they were able to do last year against UCLA and batter Rosen, knock him around? I'm not even suggesting knock him out of the game, although I think it's sure somewhat interesting that he's even playing coming off the concussion given his pro aspirations and things. Right. Um, as you and I have talked about, but yeah, what, you know, do you think that Bennett will be able to do that and recreate it? It's a, it's a road game. It's a little, yeah. it's a little different circumstances than we're used to. It is, but, but I mean, yeah, I would think you, you do want to try that. I mean, they, they aren't a very good running team. They don't have a great offensive line, you know, so, so the, really the way you get beat by that offense is he gets in a good rhythm and, and looks like the, you know, first round draft pick that he's supposed to be. Um, and, and, you know, but it's, it's doable to get him off his rhythm. We've seen it this year. Washington certainly did it weeks ago when he got hurt. Um, and, and now, you know, apparently signs are pointing to him playing, but Mora apparently said today, I read that just when I got home, um, you know, he still hasn't passed his final test to, to be able to be cleared to play. So who knows? I mean, Moore could be playing games. You know, he loves to do that just like Graham does with injuries. Um, so who knows? No, but yeah, I think obviously that's what you want to do is, you know, with any good quarterback, you want to try to, you know, get him uncomfortable, make him feel the rush, knock him down a few times and get some sacks, force him into an interception here or there. You know, I mean, we've beaten him twice. You know, his freshman year, we made him look like a friend. Last year, he got hurt early in that game, came back, played pretty well in, you know, bringing them back, but then got hurt again at the end. Uh, you know, why not go 3-0 and before he takes off to NFL? Now, obviously, the big play has sort of reared its head against us the last couple weeks. Not that either of us were expecting them to be able to sustain the kind of defense they had against Washington <laughs> and Utah. But I think right. that's going to be a critical part on the other side of the ball, as it is every week. Can we limit the big plays? Can we get off the field on third and longs? Um, yeah. And, and, you know, for the bad penalties that we saw two weeks ago, that really got cleaned up, other than on Nikhil Harry's punt return, that really got cleaned up against Colorado. Yeah. It was the only penalty of the game, I think, wasn't it? Uh, you know, yeah. Um, in the, on that punt return, I mean... Yeah, that's, that has been a, a you know consistent thing this year, except for USC. Um, keeping the penalties low, uh, not really turning the ball over much. You know, we've we've had a number of games turnover free. Um, and, you know, so yeah, we're we're doing the little things better than we did last year. Um, and and even the defense, which yeah, you're right, we've given up a few more big plays. USC was kind of an outlier, really. You know, if you look at it. More like last year where we gave up several. Um, you know, this year, did we catch a couple breaks in that Colorado game with them dropping a couple balls? Yeah. Uh, but still, you know, there were a few plays that were made like that one in the fourth quarter on the, you know, pass to Lindsay, where last year that's a touchdown. And this year it wasn't. And we hold to a field goal. We end up winning the game. You know, that's, those, are, those are key. I mean, it's, it's not like giving up a 60-yard pass is a good thing. It's better than giving up a 75-yard pass, which is what it could have been. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's hard to go on the road and win any game. The Rose Bowl, because it's so cavernous when the yeah. team is not great, which they are not, 
I don't think right. we're going to have to worry much about a, a home field noise level issue no. or things like that. So I, I feel like we actually have a good shot to run the offense we want to run, to have the defense be on uh, as best it can be. And if we get the good defensive game, which I suspect we will, I yeah. think that ASU can win this game. So I, I do too. You know, I'm going to pick ASU to win uh, lower scoring than, than I have been. I'm going to say... 31 to 21. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, I feel like this is a game that's short of Josh Rosen playing and looking great that we win. There's nothing that particularly special about this UCLA team besides him. Their top receivers out for the year. They don't have a good run aim. Their offensive line's a weakness. They don't stop the run at all. They're one of the worst run defenses in the country. Uh, second straight week, we get a run defense that we should be able to, you know, take advantage of. Hopefully, um, yeah. I mean, I, this is this is a game that, unless at the end of the game, Rosen's had one of those games where you think, man, oh man, that kid's a first round pick and he played like it. I'm going to be disappointed if we don't win because uh, he, to me, is the only thing that that makes them at all special, and and, and it's tough to do that by yourself. So, what's your score? What what do you think? Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, something like yours. I'll, I'm gonna, I'll go um, maybe a little lower scoring than yours, just because our offense still isn't that explosive, um, uh, you know. But I don't know. I, I'm, I'm hedging. I'll go I'll go 28 to 17. Huh. I like it. Something like that. I mean, uh, you know, I went lower scoring last week, and for most of the game, I felt pretty good about that. And then we got you know. We're going in the fourth quarter. You know, we, we scored, you know, more points in the fourth than we did in the first three combined. Um, so I'm hoping it's, you know, be that type of game too. Maybe not in the sense of falling behind, but, you know, open up that running game, especially in the fourth quarter, and, and start to, you know, start to break those big runs in the fourth for, you know, 40 yards, 60 yards, those back-breaking type of runs when you soften them up over the course of the game. I will say this. If the opportunity presents itself for Graham to run it up in the fourth quarter, he will. This is probably there, yeah. the, the personal animus between the three coaches who started <laughs> at the same time, Rodriguez, Mora, and Graham, yeah. it is real, I believe. Yeah. And, and I think yeah. that yeah. if he has a chance to kick while they're down, he will. And, and by that same token, well, if UCLA, if Rosen is rolling, they will keep passing. Sure, it, sure. I mean... Laura and Graham, I think, are both coaches who have a special knack for rubbing people the wrong way. Um, you know, I don't think either one of them would win any popularity polls and among you know fellow coaches. Um, and and so yeah, I, I think that's probably fair. But you know, there's there's some dislike between the two of them. Yeah, they they're both not popular, and they get to face each other. So right, and right. It, yeah. It's also so. one of those situations that we've talked about with the uh, you know our feelings about Derek Glasser. He's our guy, so we love him. Sure. But if he was on another team, sure. I, you would hate him. Um, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I can see why people don't like talking, uh, you know, uh, you know, from the outside. And, and you know, there's times I don't like Todd Graham. I mean, there are times he rubs me the wrong way. Um, but, you know, ultimately I want him to have success because he's coaching ASU and I want ASU to have success. Um, we're going to pivot now. And much like Doug Haller's request, I'm going to again ask for advertisers, sponsors, people with small businesses who listen. There's, 
there are dozens of listeners. Well, there might be a dozen listeners to any given podcast. But the the going rate for an ad, I'm guessing, on a real <laughs> podcast is high. I think that people have to spend a lot of money. We're not like yeah. that, you and me. I, I will I will settle for the cost of a a big bag, not a little bag, but a big bag of Sour Patch Kids. Or <laughs> You know, like a, like mall like the mall cookies at like the Great American Cookie Company or something. Like enough cash that if I go to the mall and there's a cookie stand, a Mrs. Fields, I can get some. Uh, sure. You know. But since we don't have any and we don't have any fake ads, I'm going to say that this one, uh, the rest of this episode is dedicated to uh, Baby Powell, who's coming in April. We're all very excited. We've seen yes. the previews. Yes. I, I watched I watched the first two episodes. I'm very excited for the third yep. installment. So. Uh, that's who we're going to give this yep. uh, to. And, and we're going to pivot now and we're going to talk ASU basketball. So, Matt, the real games start this week with Idaho State. I heard for the first time Kerry Crowley said that uh, Romello White is likely to be suspended for the first regular season game as well. Um, really? I hadn't heard that. I didn't see that in anything from Howler or anything, but he sort of me- he mentioned it in passing in the yeah. Sun Devil Source podcast previewing the season. I hope that if that is true, it's just that game and we're done because we should be able yeah. to handle our business against Idaho State. Well, I find it a little strange, honestly, that he played the game at San Diego and then got, you know, is missing more games after that. I don't quite understand this. This confuses me. Well, it's everyone seems to agree that it was some incident last season. Right. And that the punishment is now happening and... The fact that he came back, I agree with you, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. If they had done this in a way where he played the last exhibition game and then was also going to sit out the first regular season game, I could at least have understood the logic. Okay, look, we're going to get him some reps in a game that doesn't count, but we do take it seriously and we're not just suspending him for exhibition games. He's going to have to miss a real game. Yeah. You know. But I'm not Bobby Hurley. No, I mean it just seems strange. I don't, I don't know what's going on, and it, it's, it's getting on my nerves, honestly, with the uncertainty and the, you know, I mean, I, there's nothing we can do about it. I realize we're just fans, but it's one of those times where you get like a little frustrated with the coach. Like, just, just tell me what the deal is. Like, why does everything have to be a secret? Why does it have to be game to game? It's not game to game. I, I said that to you last week. That doesn't make any sense. If this is something that happened last year. Then you've decided on the punishment. I mean, you should have. There's no, there's no logic in saying, well, this happened six months ago, but I'm still deciding how long I want to sit him out. doesn't make any sense. I don't get it either. Um, you know, it's it, like coaches just, just feel they have to be secret for secretive sake. And I think they do. And college coaches especially can because there really is, there really is nobody – I mean – not to be harsh, but nobody's doing that much digging into ASU basketball. Nobody's going to dig a hole, you know, deep and say, what's going on here? He could just, you know, kind of keep a lid on things, and that's just going to kind of be the way it is. Well, and, and by that same token, in college, more so than the pros where there's mandatory media availability, right. they can just right. keep Romello White away from reporters. No, exactly. you can't talk to him. We'll pull your credential yeah. if you try to contact him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the same with an injury report. You know, some teams do injury reports in college, but it's not required. And and so they don't have to tell you anything. I mean, anything it tells you is basically, you know, his prerogative. If he wants to just lie about everything, he can. 
Uh, breaking news. My dad just met Curtis Booger Armstrong, star of Revenge of the Nerds, and sent me a picture <laughs> okay. of it. Uh, it has nothing to do with what's going on, but I am now, I would say, 90% on the picture, 10% on the podcast, because this is very <laughs> exciting. Uh, so I just want everyone to know that if it sounds like I, I have lost interest in talking about ASU basketball because I want to talk Revenge of the Nerds, that is 100% true. Uh, but, okay. but Matt, as we roll forward, one of the things that I found interesting on the Sun Devil Source Report uh, basketball preview that I wanted to do with you is they were talking about what a big step forward looks like this year. And if you were going to try to construct a borderline to solid tournament team, what would it mm-hmm. look like? And, and basically where they came down on it was you probably need to win nine conference games or nine non-conference games and yeah. 10 conference games plus a tournament game somehow get to the magic number of 20. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And there's some wiggle room here. If they beat everyone who they're supposed to beat and they upset Kansas but lose to Vandy, let's sure. say, sure. as part of the non-conference, and, and they're able to figure out a win against UCLA who may or may not right. have the three – uh, shoplifters, <laughs> alleged right. shoplifters. That's right. That's right. Although I don't know what the rules are in China about innocent until proven guilty, but for I America, don't know either, and they probably don't know either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why you should be more careful over there. But yeah, that's a different discussion. Um, but what what do you think? I, I mean, if they can, uh, let's assume Kansas is a loss and they take care of business against the five or yeah. six scrub teams, you know, lower yeah. division one teams. You know, if they split, do you think but the Vandy, Kansas State, uh, potential GW Xavier matchup, whoever that is in that tournament? Yeah, um, yeah, probably something like that. I, I think that's, um, you know, where you want to come out. I, I think, you know, you probably play roughly 12 or 13 non-conference games. Usually teams end up playing 13. Um, you're supposed to only play 12, but everybody finds that loophole with those tournaments. Um, so if you come out in non-conference at, nine and four I think that's that's decent you know and and yeah I mean it does come back to who you beat and who you lost to you know because those are what you always hear about at the end of the year bad losses did you lose to anybody you know 200 or worse in the RPI did you beat anybody in the top 50 RPI so you know if you can I mean certainly if you can steal that win at Kansas that would be a you know potential season maker I don't you know I think that's a pipe dream uh, um, but you know, some of those other ones that you're talking about, those are the ones that you need to get a couple of just to put a feather in your cap and then, you know, get one or two of the top tier pack 12 teams, whoever that turns out to be when, you know, people think it's Arizona, UC, UCLA, you don't know. I mean, it, you know, given the, given the scandal surrounding Arizona and USC, let's put a wait and see on who's actually in the top of the pack 12 when the conference season begins and is underway. Yeah. I mean, Auburn, speaking of the scandal, has announced that they're not going to play a couple players to preserve, um, right. you know, the wins that they assume they're going to get. Right. I've right. not heard whether Arizona is going to do any of that or not, and because I haven't that, heard, yeah. I, I suspect that they will not rest guys and and withhold no. players. Um, you know, last year they did for a while. Uh, dealing with academic issues and things with players and they they've done right. it before under Miller but you know if, if you get too far down the field 
you don't have right. that many scholarship guys. And even though Arizona's no. preferred walk-ons are great, they, they're still sure. not scholarship players. And They're still not scholarship guys, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, it's just impossible to know right now, I think. I mean, you can guess, but it's just a guess. You know, what if, what if things come up in the middle of December that make players ineligible? Uh, you know, so I think anybody who's embroiled in this right now, you just have to kind of put an asterisk on and say, let's let's wait and see. Let's see where everybody's at when we get to January, February, um, and, and just kind of, you know, then get a feel for who's playing, who's playing well, and decide from there where, where teams rank. I, I agree. I think it's going to be an interesting test case because this is one of those things where there are little mines all over the college yeah. basketball landscape right now, and you don't know where they're going to go off, but you kind of have a, this sinking suspicion that something yeah. is going to happen. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, and I mean, this Arizona team is supposed to be otherworldly good, and maybe they will be, you know, we will see. Um, and then, you know, just taking away anything about that, I mean, you know, they are very young, too. So let's, let's just see, you know, or maybe they are that good. Let's see them play a few games before, you know, we meet anybody. And I would say that about other teams as well, not just Arizona. But especially about Arizona. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, there's no doubt I'm biased, uh, you know. But, but you know, I mean, when, I always go back to Kentucky, you know, what was it? The, I think it was the year after they won the national title. And they, you know, reloaded with freshmen and, oh, they're going to be great. They missed the tournament. You know, so just having a lot of talent – doesn't necessarily equate to being a great team. A lot of times it does, but it's not a 100% chance. you got to put it all together, too. Very true. The, the other thing, the early signing period's going on right now. Uh, the, you know, the four-star kid from overseas, uh, from Finland, has signed. Lugan Sport yeah. has not yet signed. Uh, there is some thought that he will sign tomorrow to allow Hurley to talk about it during media. I will say this. Right now, my concern level as a fan is at about a four. If we go through the end of tomorrow without Dort signing, it's going to be like a 12. I, you know, <laughs> it's, it's an yeah, early signing yeah. period. There's a window. But if you know, you're, right. if you know right. you're coming, why are we waiting until the end of the window? Let's just sign yeah, in the middle nobody, of the window. Nobody's... Nobody seems to be sound, sounding alarm bells, so I'm not going to either. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it is one of those you'd, you'd feel better if it just got done. Yeah. Um, Idaho State, you think that there's a game there? You think it's going to be a route? What's I, mean, I, I hope not. You know, I mean, I hope it's a, it's a game that, you know, we go out and look good and, and you know, take care of business. And, you know, um, that's, you know, we haven't seen much from this team yet, so who knows? I mean, it's it's hard to say, but yeah, I mean, you'd you'd hope it's a a season opener to get some depth in there and and you know uh, not have to play your starters thirty five minutes anything like that, you know get a get a win under your belt and start that you know trek toward twenty or so wins and get you in the tournament chase. Yeah, I I agree. If it's a close game, if it looks like that Northern State game, I'm gonna start being concerned and. You know, good teams drop bad games in college basketball even more than college sure. football. Sure. But man, I hope it doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean you wanna you wanna start to see this team, you know, round into form. They did play bad in the next I mean they beat San Diego on the road. 
San Diego's not a great team, but, you know, still a, a solid enough win. Looked like they, they won the second exhibition game here huge. Shannon Evans had 50 points or something like that. That was more like what you want to see, you know, handle handle inferior competition and and keep on rolling, and, and I'm hoping that will be what we see on Friday night. Well, we'll be back uh, after the UCLA game. We'll give our thoughts and feelings about that, about the Idaho State game, and whatever else happens on this crazy college football weekend. Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.